0: Welcome to the Teeth of Grace podcast. I'm Sarah Schaefer, and I'm here with Kathy Loudenberg. We're thrilled that you joined us today for another episode. Mm -hmm. As we start today, I had been reminded in Kathy's last story where she was talking about God telling her to forgive her dad and how she didn't feel like doing it until pretty much she was actually there with her dad and just had resolved to obey God. Mm -hmm. And to do that, is that an accurate way Mm -hmm. of saying it? Mm -hmm. It reminded me of when the Israelites thousands of years ago were standing on the edge of the promised land. Moses had died. Joshua had taken the lead and they were standing there during flood season at the edge of the Jordan River. And they had to get across the river to get into the promised land. Mm -hmm. And it says this in Joshua 3. And when the soles of the feet of the priests bearing the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing, and the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. So when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and as soon as those bearing the Ark had come as far as the Jordan, and the feet of the priests bearing the Ark were dipped in the brink of the water, Now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest. The waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zarethan. And those flowing down toward the Sea of the Arabeth, the Salt Sea, were completely cut off. And the people passed over opposite Jericho. Now the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground Mm. in the midst of the Jordan, and all Israel was passing over on dry ground until all of the nation finished passing over the Jordan. They had to put their feet into the water before the water would part. I felt like, as you were telling the story last time, that that was what God was
1: saying to you. Yeah. Taking care of dad was kind of like walking into <laughs> a, a f- raging care. river. I mean, <laughs> Gosh, Sarah, a great, great scripture for that. Um, what did
0: happen? Like after we
1: just heard, what had happened in the last
0: episode, if you didn't hear it, is that at, at a certain point, Kathy had just in obedience, told her dad, She was trying to say, I forgive you. She ended up saying, I love you, which we still don't know exactly why she said that, but except that that's what she was able to say at the time and God honored that. But then your mom was still alive, right, Kathy? And so she proceeded to decline pretty quickly.
1: Yeah, she did. I I never thought about taking care of my folks. It had never been... um, something that went through my head wasn't part of your life plan I mean no I mean you know <laughs> I, I thought I'd be on the mission field someplace in the world um my whole life that was really my heart's desire but um when I came back from Czechoslovakia and mom and dad left the cabin because she'd had her first stroke and they moved down to uh, Longmont to be with my brother closer to the brother and grandkids they mom called me and we hadn't spoken for 10 years Hmm. she had told me I don't have a daughter anymore because she assumed that the woman I was living with, that we were in a, a lesbian affair and we weren't for the first nine and a half years. We did end up there. I hate to admit that, but that's true. But mom thought we were there the whole time. So she said, I don't have a daughter anymore. And she cut me off. We didn't talk for 10 years. Wow. Not a peep. Then all of a sudden, one day she calls and she said, we're moving down to Longmont. And the cabin is in my sister's name and my name. And she said, I don't know what you want to do. Do you want to sell it? Do you want to rent it? Do you want to come up and live here? And my heart was just pounding because it's the first time we had ever, ever talked. And I said, well, I felt felt like the Lord was saying because it had just, she called right just when it had tipped into a sexual encounter. And I said, yeah, I'll come up. Mm -hmm. So it was my out. And I thought, God, that was a great out. It was startling to hear mom's voice. But um, so I came up, never anticipating at all that I came up to be here. I'm still here 16 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just, yeah, I'm wow. still thinking I'm going on the mission field. I'm not thinking, okay, so I'll go up and tend the cabin. Well, God had other ideas. It's this river thing. It's what you just said. He, he had a miracle coming that he had planned he knew what he had planned for these for these people to cross that river because they were his and he had it planned out and they just had to obey step by step so I came up moved in and uh one day I I it's the first time after two or three weeks I thought gosh it was good to hear mom's voice I remember how good that was after being so so cut off and so I called down to down to uh, Longmont and uh, dad answered the phone, which was weird because dad doesn't talk on the phone. And I said, how's mom? And he said, well, she's on the couch asleep. And this was like two o'clock in the afternoon. And I, I said, uh, he said, but she's been like that all day and she hasn't moved a muscle. And I went, inside I went, just like you just looked at me, oh my gosh. I said, well, dad, so I got in my car and I rushed down to Longmont, got into their apartment, Dad's watching TV and mom, her belly looked like she was 10 months pregnant. And mom only weighed 112 pounds. She was a little, little woman. It was like she was 10 months pregnant. I said, dad, and she was totally unconscious. I said, dad, how long has she been like this? And I said, all day. Well, I wanted to strangle him. So good news to the listeners. I didn't just go hit him over the head with a skillet. <laughs> I called 911. And we took off to the hospital because she had had her first stroke and they had given her, uh, she had to give injections mm. and she went too deep and she had pierced her abdominal wall. She'd been bleeding for all that time inside. Oh, my word. So we didn't even know she was going to live. So I was at the hospital with her for, I don't know, three or four or five or six days. They gave her vitamin K right away to thicken her blood. And and she was in there for a long time. And it took a long time to recover. And as she recovered, uh, my little sister Gina will never, ever, ever forget this still haunts her, her entire body from her breasts down turned purple because of all the blood as the blood drained, drained out of her, not out physically like in a puddle, but within as it dissipated. Oh my goodness. So I knew right then, Dad couldn't take care of her. He was oblivious. Right. So I knew they had to move back in. So I said, okay, you guys are moving back in. So we, we, didn't, even, we didn't even go back to the apartment. We, when Mom got out of the hospital, I drove her up here, and my brother and my sister helped Dad pack up whatever they needed to bring up here As for furniture because they had taken some of their furniture down, and I didn't need a lot of furniture. So we refilled the house. And all of a sudden I was a caregiver
0: Hmm.
1: and Hmm. you know, I'm sure when they were standing on the river and God was telling them, you're going to cross this, that there might've been a little apprehension. You think, Uh, right? (laughs) Like yikes, what are you saying? God, you can't be serious. That's how I was. It was like, I'm at the cabin with mom and dad to take care of her. And we haven't spoken in 10 years. I was out of my comfort zone. Yeah. I I was I I yeah, I was a little apprehensive. So so we got on with the business of um mom and I began it was stilted talk in the beginning, very silted. I was hurt mm-hmm. that she automatically assumed and that she disowned me. I don't blame her for that. I don't know how a mom would deal with that kind of news that her daughter's a lesbian. I mean, that's gotta be heartbreaking. Uh, I do remember finally, near mom's death, that she said, what did I do wrong? And that broke my heart. And I've heard that from other moms who call me to talk to me to get counsel about how to deal with a daughter that's in the gay lifestyle. It wasn't what mom did or didn't do. That wasn't on mom. And it really hurt me that she carried that guilt. She said, wasn't I feminine enough? Wasn't I this? Wasn't I that? I mean, so we... But so, so mama ended up having 13 TIAs, wow. um, small strokes, but each one of them took something, her ability to read, her ability to crochet, her ability to finally her ability to walk. So over four years, she had 13 uh, little strokes. And, and I guess my little girl heart that had been ostracized for 10 years really wanted to unite again emotionally um and that that never happened that really Mm -hmm. never happened but um but god did an interesting thing one day i was uh i had just she was this was when she was bedridden because the sixth seventh stroke she was bedridden from then on i mean she could get out a little bit in the walker but not too much and uh i i went in and i I, I thought, I, I, need, I need this breakthrough, Lord. And I said, Mom, what was it like for you as a little girl? And she said, I didn't know this. I never knew this. She said, well, um, she, uh, her, her mom had, they had nine kids and she was next to last. And her mom, my grandma, was very old when she gave birth to her last child. And when she did, I guess today they'd call it postpartum or whatever they do, but she had, she had a totally emotional mental breakdown and they had to move from Grand Junction to Pueblo and grandma Burkhardt was put in a mental hospital mm-hmm. and she was there for a long time. So, and mom didn't want to, mom stayed in Grand Junction and was brought up by, by an aunt, by an uncle when she was 10. And I never knew that about mom and she loved it they lived on an orchard and she and she was outdoors all day and she was picking pears and she loved that uncle and uncle uncle really they were her parents because right after mom was born this happened to grandma and then and they were separated Hmm. so when she was 10 um her dad drove over to get her and bring her home and she said no this is home i don't want to come back this is home and she had to say goodbye to aunt and ella and uncle ted and by that time and my grandpa was like fifteen or seventeen years older than my grandma, so he was really old. Mom was mom was young, and when she was telling me that story, she started to just weep, mm-hmm. just weep. Because Grandma Burkhard was wonderful, but she was older, and and she was all her nurture, and all of her love came from her aunt and uncle, and she'd been separated from them. And I never knew that about my mom. So we began to bond little by little, by little, by little, which was which was sweet. And at least, at least we bonded spiritually.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: She loved Jesus, I loved Jesus. So I'd sit at her foot of her bed and play the guitar and we'd witness to every hospice person that came into the house and whether they wanted the gospel or not, they got it. And <laughs> I mean, we determined, she and I, she said every, cause some of them were Christian cause hospice a lot are, and some were very much not. And they made it very clear when they walked in that we, we don't believe in this as well, that's okay, we do. <laughs> and it's our home. So, right? So, mom and I, we made this pact and and uh so we had that kind of ministry together and we loved worship and uh so um and the funniest thing is that I I love the old hymn um what is it? Uh How great thou art. Mm-hmm. And I hear the rolling thunder. And in my bedroom, this is a little cabin and our bedrooms are back to back. I have wooden doors that slide and they sound so As mom lost more and more of her mental capacities, she would think that was rolling thunder, and she'd break out in, how great thou art, I hear the rolling thunder, and oh my gosh, that's the sweetest memory I have. Still to this day, and she passed in 08. When I open my closet doors, I break out in how great thou art. And oh. I hear the rolling thunder. So there, there you have it. A new perspective on that hymn, right? Okay.
0: Now when I hear that, I'll know what's going on with you, Kathy. I yeah. won't immediately yeah. worry.
1: You won't worry and, <laughs> and ask the little white men to put me in a white coat, right? While um, you stay in
0: your mountain cabin. For yeah. A little longer. So then I'd join
1: her. If I was cooking a meal or if I was in one of the other rooms, I'd join her and we'd just belt out how great thou art. So oh. we had a spiritual connection that was so, so, so sweet. And and um we did we prayed and we witnessed to all the people that came in and out and she was in hospice two and a half years and then out for a year and then back in hospice so we um and i thank god for hospice because normally they don't do that they wait till it's end of life mm. but we got into a hospice that realized end of life is too late for a lot of good work that they could do and that the medical hospital plans uh don't do enough it's once a month mm. and, and you only get 12 twelve months. So so we had a hospice that uh so we did connect spiritually and um but this whole time, you know, dad I'm totally ignoring Dad. I'm kinda of pretending dad doesn't I noticed exist. he wasn't
0: even in the story oh, that you just told. Exactly. You were getting ready to say <laughs> that,
1: huh? I was cooking for him. I'm a good cook and I love to cook. So and he appreciates good meals. So I mean I was I felt like God had said, once I moved back in, tend the sheep. I heard that really clearly in my spirit. And I said, okay, God, it'll be easy. Mom's a sheep. Dad's not. Because he's going to go to hell for all the abuse. That's how I felt. Just. That's just, just the honest real. truth, That's Kathy. just, just how, the... how you felt. So when mom finally passed, uh, we had one amazing encounter before she did. I kept asking the Lord to give me hints because when you're living with somebody with strokes, you never know when the final one's going to come. And I just kept asking, just give me a little hint so that I'm not shocked and surprised and so I can handle it. And this little gal came in who we began to really love. I'm still in contact with her, one of the CNAs. Um, she came in and and uh, mom told me to bring my guitar in. And I never did that. When, when they came, I would run out of the house and take a break. I would build a rock wall or I would do something outside or cut down a tree or something to get rid of the emotional buildup of watching these strokes and dealing with a father that I maybe could say I hated. So I would, so mom asked me this time to stay, which was odd. And she said, bring in your guitar. And I thought, okay. So I came in and I, I asked, asked the Lord what to play. And it one is one of the most serious songs I've written. Sorry, you've heard it. Um, Um, Jesus, would you loosen my grip? Mm. Would you loosen my grip? And it's a serious song. And I thought, Lord, really? So as I was playing this song, this little gal was bathing mom and she finished. And eventually she was sitting on mom's bed. Eventually she fell to her knees next to mom and started to weep. And mom gave me two little thumbs up, (laughs) like a little kid would, like thumbs up, because God was doing something and we knew it and cuz i i don't that's a serious song and i i've not i've I, I don't play that for anybody but so then when i finished i knelt next to her i won't give you the first name i'll just call her Jody and uh i uh i said can i pray for you and i prayed whatever came to mind and she stopped crying lifted her head up and said how did you know all that hmm and I said, "No, all what I was just praying for you." And then she opened her heart Aww. of what she was into and what she shouldn't be into, and and I mean, she just opened up. So God had given me, in the scriptures, it calls them words of wisdom, words of knowledge. He can give you about somebody, mm-hmm. and uh, that's what he'd done. So she gave, and she was a Christian, but she was living with a boyfriend, and just mm. so she gave us, she unraveled all that. still in touch today Uh, she said i need to come back to christ Mm. so so that right there i knew somehow that was near the end that was the sign and seven days later mom had her final stroke which finally turned into a heart attack and um so the hospice nurse that came up when she had this stroke i i I knew it was a serious one because then she started to grab her arm and that's usually the sign of a heart attack she couldn't talk at all because you can't with strokes. And I said, are you in pain? And she shook her head, yes. And I had the morphine. I had all the drugs to administer. So I, I had called hospice and I was on the phone with them and I was giving her shots. And, and you know, they get, give you stuff to put in their mouth so their secretions don't choke them. I mean, So I, I had been well-schooled. Uh, but to actually do this and watch your mom die is another story. And so my heart was being rent because we had, we had finally, you know, we finally really connected at least spiritually. And, uh, so, so anyway, finally she, she fell asleep and, and hospice came up at about, I don't know, three or four o'clock that morning. And, um, this, this came in her, uh, I'll give you a fake name too. It was Lily. And she walked in and I, 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 I said something about, oh, God bless you, we coming. She said, I don't want any of that. I do not believe in any of that. And I don't want any of that. And I said, well, you're going to get it because I'm a Christian and I love mom and she's a Christian. So if you can't bear it, you need to call in a replacement. So she just said, whatever. And so she helped us through that. And at 1130 that next morning, mom hadn't moved at all. Uh, that's the beauty of hospice and morphine, um, But her eyes had been open and her brilliant light brown eyes had turned to uh, gray and my little sister couldn't stand that she said can I close her eyelids and she did so she closed them and I was laying on a bed Gina was by her side and uh, I was singing songs over her and whatnot we were worshiping and Lily said watch for the change in breathing so when the little fish breaths they call them Mm -hmm. come Mm -hmm. she gave 10 of those little and Lily was in there and I had gone to get mom and dad, uh, dad and Ray and Gina. And we were all in the room. And uh, God is so good, Sarah. What can I say except God is so amazing. He knows my heart's breaking. And so that last little fish breath, you know, there's a scripture that says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, right? Mm-hmm. That's a quote. Mm-hmm. I can't do chapter and verse, but <laughs> that's a quote. To be absent from and. She took that last little puff and right as it came out, she hadn't moved a muscle, not even a twitch. Her head went back and her eyes flew open. I'm serious, this is is absolute truth. Flew open and they were brilliant brown. And Lily just shrieked, she shrieked, she screamed. Oh, she said, I've been a nurse for 30 years and I've never seen this. And I said, "Lily, that's easy. She loves Jesus and to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You may not believe, but God just gave you a good reason to believe to what she, to what she, and she responded, whatever. And she left. So <laughs> I think that's still going to bother Lily. Just saying. She might even be saved now. Um, so mom passed and we had that incredible, for my brother and sister too, uh, what a witness to them and to my dad. Yeah. To my dad and and for me you know how sweet i i wish we could i hope we can get across with this podcast if you're in doubt about jesus if you're in doubt about god his heart for you is passionate his love for you is passionate he gave his son to pay the price for your sin he's absolutely absolutely in love with his creation it's we who reject him it's not the other way around and for him to give me that witness Sarah oh Mm. my gosh wow wow
0: that's powerful
1: oh my gosh so we buried mom and uh we mom was still in the house hospice was cleaning her body and I was in with dad and the chaplain he was actually getting witness to, too, because he was a chaplain, but he didn't know Jesus. He was teaching all this gobbledygook, you know. So I had another chance to just be gently sharing sharing Jesus. Wow. And in my mind, I'm already packing my bags. I'm out of here. I'm not going to take care of this man. No, because you came to tend the sheep. Exactly. And he wasn't. <laughs> right? Well, in my judgment. In your judgment,
0: which maybe uh, wasn't totally Godly.
1: How often do we do that? How often do we live on our judgments? And then when we seek the Lord, he's got a total different plan. So right when I was packing my bags, I got a phone call from a friend. I taught one of their boys in school and uh, they were leaving for a weekend and they needed somebody to house sit in Boulder. So I said, you bet. So I, I did pack my bags. And but I took all my Bibles and books with me and whatnot. And in those four days, I some of you will understand this: when God wants to get your attention and you're not paying attention, you know, as a teacher, there's a hundred ways to get it. You walk by their desk and you pat, or you flick their ear. I mean, there's a hundred ways. Well, you don't to get, do
0: that anymore, Kathy. No, no, no.
1: But in middle school <laughs> when I taught,
0: I could do that. Just get, to clarify. Yeah, Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. You know, you got a way to do that, right? Right, right. You do. So, so everything I read was about the sheep and tend the sheep and tend the sheep. And I said, God, he just isn't a sheep. I'm off duty now. And at the end of those four days, you know, the patience of God to teach us what we need to know. Mm. Sometimes we're just, it's that stiff necked. We just talked about that story. It's being stiff necked. Mm. We don't want to listen because it doesn't fit our plans. We don't want to do what he says do because it's not what we want. Because our wants take precedent over his. And each and every time you surrender to his want, there's something miraculous or something special on the other side. So finally, he just made it really clear to me, he is my sheep. And I'm telling you to take care of him. Hmm. So that's how I ended up staying
0: so it wasn't stepping into a
1: river for you. Well,
0: it was stepping into a cabin. A flood. Oh,
1: and maybe maybe a flood of a ri- Yeah, it was stepping into it. It was staying here. Right. Because none of this furniture was mine. Hmm. This wasn't. It had only been my home for a year by myself. And I was already making plans to. And here's the irony, Sarah. I was already making plans to be on the mission field. Hmm. That's noble, right? <laughs> that's pretty noble, and that's, oh, that's pretty.
0: That's really godly. That's, that's pretty really, godly. Very Christian of you.
1: All the while, while I'm plugging my ears like kids do, I know your daughters don't do this. Oh well, no, they would they they never stick their fingers they in their ears They listen to everything I say. Yeah. yeah, and I'm going, God, I'm going to the mission field, but I will not obey you to care for my father.
0: Hmm.
1: Oh my gosh! Ouch! Pierced my heart. Yeah, he was right. So often we get caught up in what we think. God wants us to do or what we think is right and and we miss so many miracles and we miss so much growth we miss we miss that journey with God it was it tough yes it was it was pretty horrible having ten years alone with my father. I was still a very scared little abused girl hadn't worked through any of that, and he could get he could take on kind of a sexual tone and he'd call me babe sometimes and oh my gosh I would just run out of the house crying and screaming and it wasn't easy but we've already uploaded the podcast that my dad was saved Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. I rocked him so stepping into that river how much courage it took those people it's flood and and, you know I love it that it was flood season Mm -hmm. isn't that our god right (laughs) it could have been just a trickle, then it wouldn't have been an act of faith, right? Right. It would have been doable by human means. And in this country, in this nation where we're free and we have independence and we have the can do and we can pick ourselves up by our own bootstraps. We've never, I lived in Eastern Europe where those people had faith that had been tested and tried like that under communism. And I learned that I knew nothing about faith Mm -hmm. when I lived with these people. That that we're all about our plans and what we can do and our freedoms to do whatever. Thank God that he made me stay those 14 years. Cause that when these guys got to the promised land, it was worth that trek. And it had to be at flood level so that they could trust their God, so that they could trust with a trust they'd never tasted. Mm -hmm. Because only God could make those waters stop, right? And only God could take my, we gave this scripture the last time. I will give you, I will give them one heart and put in a new heart and a new spirit within them. I will take their heart of stone out of their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. Ezekiel eleven nineteen. 19. Only God can do that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't easy. Well, what comes to mind
0: though, Kathy, is that they cross the river. Um, we know that it, the waters parted when they o- were obedient. But think about what actually did happen on the other side of that river. They they did come into the promised land, but they had to fight. Oh, it was a process point. for them. That's what keeps coming to my mind is that they didn't immediately have this blessed life where they you know put up their hammocks and said hallelujah we've been saved oh, and oh my
1: gosh yes. milk and honey
0: and it was just all you know fa- fabulous from there. It was a process where God made them fight and become
1: strong. Yes,
0: they had to fight enemies.
1: Oh my gosh, Sarah, I love doing this with you because (laughs) you just bring things I, yeah, yeah, oh my gosh, and the enemies I had to fight weren't my dad. No, they were my own hatred toward him, my own woundedness, not that 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 was an enemy that I I needed God to heal. Mm -hmm. He knew he needed to deal with that. It was my own brokenness. God just began to change that. Oh my gosh, little by little by little, the Lord just took my heart of stone, whittled away a little more, and whittled away a little more. Because but you're right, it was it was such a fight. It, it was a fight some days just to even feed the guy feed the guy a meal because I just to serve him was wasn't like it was precious, sweet, Christian service. <laughs> sometimes I just how can I say this? I did. And he appreciated the meals. He always thanked me. Mm. He'd say, oh, this is a $25,000 breakfast. I mean, he was so (laughs) appreciative. Yeah, oh, good point. Thank you for saying that. I I had never thought of that. So if, if you're out there and you're going through a really tough, 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 tough season, they did cross and they did get to the promised land. There was still a lot of work to be done. You're right. They had to fight. But at the end of that 14 years, oh, my gosh, look where my dad and I. Before yeah. we left off, look at the blessing that came. And I don't know, did we talk about when we were in the hospital those last few days? We did.
0: We talked about all of those things. Oh and if you gosh. haven't heard those podcasts, I just want to encourage our listeners to go back a couple of episodes to episodes five and six and catch those stories because that is really, we're telling this a little bit asynchronously, <laughs> a non chronologically out of order. Yeah, we're definitely out of order. That's the word out of order. We are out of order in the story, but I think we're telling it in the order that. Were supposed to i thought it was just important and i really appreciate you kind of filling in that gap of the fact that we had talked last time about how god had told you you needed to forgive him and needed to forgive him and needed to forgive him and then we had heard the story of how you had ultimately forgiven him 14 years later but then
1: what, what how did that uh, even yeah transpire? right how did that see transpire? that's why i have you <laughs> You are the one that keeps... I'm a middle school teacher, so I have an excuse. My brain kind of thinks like a middle schooler. Here,
0: there and everywhere. Yeah, I have
1: you to keep me. Um, Yeah, those those years are important because I... And like I said, I hadn't thought of that. I was going to the mission field. Right. Well, yes, you were. You just
0: didn't know it was going to be back at home in the
1: Rocky Mountains. No, it would be right there Uh, with my own father. Well, and now... And and yet we keep that thought. Yeah, yeah. If thousands have gotten saved on the mission field with me being there, my dad's healing with me would be worth more than all of that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. More than all of that. Right. Priceless as gold. Right, for sure.
0: When you have now had more freedom, I'm thankful that your mission field has become a podcast because I get to be a part of it, and it's well, a lot of
1: fun. And you know, Sarah, really, I had a dear, dear, dear Bible study sister, a dear sister in Christ, call me one day, and she said, Kathy, you've never left the mission field. You're a medical missionary. Because I have had 26 surgeries, and I've got this and that. Every My sister says that every month I contract something new. I have been in and out of hospitals, and I have been... And they all get the gospel. So, but it, was, <laughs> but it was Carrie. It was it was a dear friend that connected those dots for me. Mm-hmm. That there's always, in fact, one of my dear CBS friends, Jody. You'll get a kick out of this if you're listening. Uh, we were in a group together, and I said something about I came back. I had Sjogren's and Lyme disease at the same time. Oh my! Lost thirty five pounds, and oh my gosh, I was so weak for three months. I I couldn't even walk. So I missed three months of uh, Bible study at CBS. And when I got back, I was still really weak and frail. They barely knew me. And so we started our study. And then Jody couldn't stand it any longer. She's the leader said, What's the matter? She said, Well, I need to know how Kathy is. You're not your same. You're not talking. That's what she said. <laughs> you're not well. You shouldn't be here. She was well. She said, You're 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 not well, because you're not talking. And I said, No, I'm 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 well enough to be here. And I said, uh, And I guess I said, she tells me this now, I said, I've been really, really, really sick and I've spent lots of weeks in the hospital and lots of doctors, but I said, it's the best mission trick I've ever had. She said, that's it, Kathy. And I go, Jodi, what's, and I'm still really sick. Jody, what's that? She's being as animated as (laughs) I am. That's it. Africa would be way too easy. There's a revival over there. You need to be right here in Boulder. (laughs) So between Jody and Carrie, (laughs) who corrected my idea of the mission field, you know, that got humor too. I mean, he's really quite funny. He
0: is hilarious. He's really the funniest actually.
1: He really is. (laughs) So I never left the mission field, bottom line. Right. When we are in him, it's his perfect peace, and you get direction and you get Mm -hmm. guidance. And you get, He does make the way straight Mm -hmm. and He does lead you and guide you just like a shepherd would a sheep. This is another heart-filling
0: time with you, Kathy. You had mentioned before we even started the recording today that you really love Proverbs 3. And you alluded to it just now. I just want to read that as we close. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes, thinking you're heading to Africa on the mission field, <laughs> or whatever, you know, where the grass is greener, or yeah. the sand is browner, or whatever it would be. Um,
1: or easier, or easier, for right, my father. For right? Africa would have been yeah, easier, right?
0: right? Be not wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord, and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh, and refreshment to your bones. Oh, perfect scripture. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, so that's Proverbs 3, 5 through 8. Thank you for joining us today. We are always so honored and privileged to share this time with you. You can always reach us at theteethofgrace.com. You can email us at Kathy, K-A-T-H-Y, Kathy at theteethofgrace.com or Sarah, S-A-R-A, Sarah at the teeth of gracecom You are welcome to leave us a confidential voice message via the podcast. We would love to hear from you. We'd be happy to pray for you. So thank you again, Kathy, and thank You're you again welcome. for listening. Until next time, God bless. Hello, and welcome to the teeth. <laughs>
1: Let me get out of this chair. <laughs> Let me... Uh-